0: chapter twenty three of the heel of achilles this librivox recording is in the public domain he's come billy excitedly told the guests as he met them in the hall at quintmere came all the way without a break where's the flying machine said jenny as excitedly in the four acres field i told him most carefully exactly where to land and he made a glorious descent oh why didn't i see it can't we go and look at it after dinner all covered up with a tarpaulin and stuff for the night two of the men are going to watch it in turns all night fancy jenny the pilot's here too he's having supper in the housekeeper's room the two young things looked at one another with glowing eyes and lydia involuntarily smiled in sympathy incomprehensible to her though their enthusiasm was her smile died away when to jenny's agitated whisper at the drawing-room door oh i feel as if i was being introduced to royalty billy replied reassuringly you needn't be nervous grandmama has been telling him about you pulling the hurdles off that kid this afternoon and he was fearfully interested really lady lucy spoilt both her grandchildren lydia reflected here was mr roland valentine treated as an honored guest staying in the old house to which so few visitors were ever invited just because billy had known him at oxford and had gone mad about his experiments in aviation he struck lydia as rather a common young man good-looking in a bold well-set-up fashion and with a faint unfamiliar twang in his speech and grandmamma was just as indulgent of Jenny as she was of billy she inquired with solicitude if the girl were tired or had felt any strain from her exertions and she recapitulated with the iteration of old age, the story of Jenny's prowess in the afternoon. I wish I'd seen you. It sounds as though you had been a regular heroine, said Mr. Roland Valentine, rather too familiarly. Lydia thought it wasn't anything. I've heaps of muscle. Jenny thrust out a white, solid forearm, pushing the black net sleeve away from her elbow. By Jove said mr valentine admiringly all through dinner they talked about aeroplanes and Jenny asked questions that elicited long technical sounding replies from valentine who kept his eyes fixed upon hers across the table i say you've been reading all this up he challenged her at last no i haven't cried Jenny, unresentful of the assumption but eager to display her credentials i've been keen on machinery and especially on flying for ages haven't i billy rather said billy heartily can't we go out and look at the machine to-night it's all covered up you won't see much i don't care just the shape would be something mayn't we grandmamma if mr valentine will take you said lady lucy placidly but why not wait till tomorrow morning i'm afraid i have to be off good and early said the young airman but i hope you'll all come and see the start the naive egotism of the invitation almost made lydia laugh but she was vaguely glad that mr valentine was to leave the next day she altered the trend of the conversation by asking him whether he had always lived in america something in his intonation though scarcely to be called an accent prompted the suggestion i've spent my life in vancouver but i don't know the states vancouver cried jenny oh mamma! perhaps he knows cousin bob jenny did not herself know any of the Senthovens excepting aunt evelyn and olive and her sense of clanship was a continual source of vexation to lydia by whom it was not shared in any degree canada is a large place she said laughing a little your cousin bob is on vancouver island not on the mainland at all what's cousin bob's name anyway said mr valentine encouragingly it's senthoven not a bit a common name said Jenny eagerly oh do you say that you know him well i'm afraid i just don't but i tell you what Miss merrill i'll make a point of looking him up as soon as i get back and telling him he's got a very charming relative in england who's anxious for news of him Nonsense," said Lydia, laughing. "My daughter doesn't even know this cousin. I don't know what this sudden interest in poor cousin Bob is about, Jenny." Jenny colored. For all her schoolgirl forwardness, it was always easy to make her blush, and Lydia was not sorry for it. Jenny is just like her father," said Jorce Merrill. Clement always took an interest in anybody belonging to him, however distant. Don't you remember? i've heard heaps about cousin bob from aunt beryl and aunt evelyn and seen his photograph when he was a little boy said Jenny, casting an openly resentful glance at lydia the young airman was looking from one to another with unabashed almost openly amused interest and curiosity joyce damerel turned the conversation to mr valentine's exploits with his machine and he dilated upon them with a sort of simplicity that just saved him from blatancy until the end of dinner then jenny said oh may i and without waiting for any permission rushed into the hall in search of the old carriage lantern as the expedition started lydia heard her eager voice begin again but if the shaft of the propeller was at that angle shall you go with them my dear said lady lucy to lydia do if you want to though there is very little to see now joyce and i watched the machine come down a most wonderful sight no thank you said lydia perhaps i shall see the start and they don't really want anyone with them they're still talking machinery the young people of today are able to dispense with chaperonage said grandmamma calmly they are all so impersonal well said joyce damerel with curt matter-of-factness that lydia so much disliked i shouldn't dispense with it too much in Jenny's case if i were lydia for to my mind she's extraordinarily attractive lydia felt an odd mingling of annoyance and gratification they sat in the lamp-lit drawing-room just as they always did at quintmere after dinner and the placid routine that lydia knew so well took its accustomed course coffee was brought in and lady lucy lamented that the careless children had taken mr valentine out before he could have had any are solomon's biscuits there joyce the old aberdeen terrier's biscuits were always there in a little silver box with a chased lid solly solly come along then as the small and aged dog shuffled slowly up an old recollection stirred in lydia and she gave a fleeting thought to the memory of grandpapa's shamrock there had been a great deal of talk about getting rid of the obstreperous shamrock after grandpapa's death but after all aunt beryl had kept him and for weeks he had faithfully shadowed mr monteagle almond the solitary paying guest of the regency terrace house and a notorious hater of dogs lydia could smile a little at the memory of prim mr monteagle almond disgraced in the town where he was so well known by the antics of his companion by shamrock's raids upon perambulators and butcher shops and nervous girls on bicycles shamrock's fate at the end had remained uncertain for after a severe and much overdue thrashing at last bestowed by a righteously incensed uncle george this Seelyham had rushed out of the house with every appearance of being still entirely unsubdued and had never come back again i don't believe that dog could ever die aunt beryl had remarked simply honest to goodness lydia i believe he was possessed they had all of them left it at that poor solomon is getting very blind i'm afraid said lady lucy she said it every evening joyce damerel sat very upright by the open window and knitted something silken she was not a needlewoman but lydia knew that she would have thought it waste of time equally to sit unoccupied or to read a book lydia herself picked up an illustrated london news and lady lucy softly rustled the sheets of the times have you heard how that poor woman is at the hospital joyce my dear there was always some poor woman or other to be inquired after oh dear these suffragettes again that was lady lucy's contribution to the agitating problem of the day the clock on the mantelpiece chiming ten startled them all in the drowsy silence where are those children they must have come in and gone to the billiard-room then the footman brought in a tray with glasses and a decanter and siphon and a large jug of cold water are the young gentlemen in the billiard-room charles no my lady talking with the pilot-person and where is miss Jenny? said lydia quickly i don't think miss Jenny is come in from the four acres field madam it's too late for her without a cloak or anything silly child i shall go and see said joyce damerel she rose with her decisive movement and left the room lydia was left again to the drowsy silence of the drawing-room and old lady lucy she knew that Joyce had only gone out because she did not want Jenny to be scolded by her mother for the indiscretion of her escapade. Did they all think her such a tyrant then? Lydia smiled rather bitterly, realizing vividly at the moment that she did not at all feel herself to be amongst the Olympians, the lawgivers, and lookers-on at the game of life. Rather was she unable to feel her place to be anywhere but in the arena itself, in the very forefront but since the tragically early death of clement and the evanescence of the momentary luster of pathos surrounding his widow it seemed to her that she had been relegated into the background a background moreover that was merely expected to throw into relief other and younger personalities joyce Demerel might accept a place in that background lydia herself could not do so she felt herself to be far more alive far more real than was little jenny and it angered her that other people did not seem so to feel her the door opened and billy came in "Hallo! aren't the other two in i thought they were just behind me i say aunt lydia we've a great plan can't jenny stay the night here so as to see valentine start tomorrow morning he's got to be off early lydia looked at lady lucy delighted to have dear little Jenny," said the old lady placidly it really is an opportunity not to be missed and she has always been so interested in these strange machines i was struck by her knowledge to-night so was valentine said billy in an awed voice you should have heard them in the field jawing away why she knew nearly as much about it as did he wonderful Said Lady Lucy. Ring the bell, my dear boy, and tell them to get the little blue room ready at once. And may I have the carriage, grandmamma? It's later than usual, said Lydia. Certainly, my dear. I'll put the child's things together just for to night and to morrow morning and send them back in the carriage. I won't keep it waiting. You are always so thoughtful, my dear, declared Lady Lucy affectionately. She was very fond of Lydia nowadays. Good night, Grandmamma. If I don't see Jenny, tell her that I shall expect her home in time for lunch tomorrow. But Lydia did see Jenny. Joyce damerel and the young airman and Jenny herself were coming into the hall just as she left the drawing room, politely escorted by Billy. Grandmamma has suggested that you should stay the night, Jenny, and then you'll be able to see the start tomorrow morning. Said Lydia. Oh, your shoes she looked down in dismay at the satin slippers soaked with dew they're very old said jenny perversely i don't suppose it'll hurt them i'm thinking of your catching cold began lydia severely and stooped to feel the damp edges of jenny's black evening frock in her usual ungracious fashion the girl twitched herself away as she always did at such demonstrations of her mother's solicitude lydia almost involuntarily looked up to see the impression that might be produced by her daughter's ungrateful reception of the maternal thoughtfulness roland valentine was gazing at jenny and there was more than a suspicion of laughter in his bold eyes laughter that as lydia quickly felt was wholly sympathetic of her youthful ingratitude i fancy you're a pretty strong girl aren't you it's rather a waste of anxiety to fuss around you isn't it yes it is as i'm always telling mamma i've never been ill yet boasted jenny i'd rather be ill and have done with it than have to be always thinking of taking care the way some girls do and fellows too if they're mollies affirmed the airman or having someone else taking care for one murmured jenny under her breath casting a half deprecating half impudent glance at her mother you ungrateful little cat cried joyce damerel but she laughed as she said it and put her arm around the shoulders of her recalcitrant niece. Lydia, with an angry insurgent feeling that they were all against her, compressed her lips slightly and said nothing for a moment. Here's the carriage, Billy announced. Good night, Mama, Jenny murmured in accents that sounded rather contrite. She came forward into the restricted circle of light cast by the old-fashioned standard lamp and lydia saw that her face was flushed and her eyes shining like stars an untidy bunch of heavily scented syringa was thrust into her belt the syringa had not come from the four acres field where the aeroplane was the great blossom laden bushes stood at the furthest and darkest end of the lower drive at quintmere lydia looked at the syringa and glanced at Jenny, but Jenny's gaze remained unembarrassed only curiously dilated and unusually brilliant lydia could read nothing there good-night joyce Goodbye, bye mr valentine and bon voyage they clustered at the hall door as billy ran down the steps and spoke to the old coachman all the servants at quitmere were old lunch-time to-morrow i shall expect you said lydia to her daughter I am going to put your night things together as soon as i get in and send them back in the carriage the softness vanished in an instant out of jenny's eyes do let susan do it mama she'll know quite well what i want i hate you to tire yourself fussing about my beastly things never had jenny been quite so outspokenly defiant of lydia's tenderness was it the presence of that rather common young colonial with his too evident enjoyment of her revolt that gave such assurance to her display of bad taste lydia drew the child towards her and kissed her with calm decision don't be a silly little thing you know i like to do things for you myself then i know you're properly done besides said lydia very clearly you know very well that i always pack for you she got into the carriage as she spoke, but she had seen Jenny flush to a quick, angry scarlet, and although she could not hear what the girl said as she flounced around, it was easy enough to guess. Yes, and I hate mamma to pack for me, and do all that sort of thing. Jenny had hated it, and crudely and ungraciously voiced her hatred ever since her fourteenth year, but she was as naturally unhandy as Lydia was methodical and had never been encouraged to wait upon herself lydia had always preferred to sacrifice herself her own time and her own strength Jenny's few and bungling attempts at doing her own packing her own mending her own tidying had been merely ludicrous no wonder that every such spasmodic effort generally undertaken in angry opposition to her mother's toil on her behalf had merely led to a double share of work falling upon lydia patiently repairing the effect of Jenny's blunders far into the night but the thought of past justifications did not come to lydia's help now she leant back in the dark corner of the little closed carriage helpless and puzzled what had that impossible youth said to little Jenny under the syringa bushes in the dark drive why had they taken that way home that was no way at all from the four acres field it must have been at Jenny's suggestion for how could mr valentine have known anything about it how long had they been alone when billy the foolish boy left them together roland valentine was the sort of young man who would take advantage of jennie's inexperience her ignorant youthful daring because Jenny was a hoyden to whom flirting was unknown because the allurements of her youth differed absolutely from lydia's own because she was not pretty and most of all because lydia thought of her always as a child and never as a young woman it had been almost impossible to her ever to believe that Jenny could prove attractive to men joyce Demerel's insistence on the possibility had merely irritated her but with a mingling of gratification and dismay she had gradually come to admit the possibility of such a thing when Billy, and actually three or four of Billy's friends, had successively fallen victims to most unmistakable attacks of calf love for the youthful charms of Jenny between the ages of fourteen and seventeen. One of them, six months ago, had even proposed marriage to Jenny, and it was not Jenny, but the disconsolate lad himself who had confided to Lydia. Jenny's unflattering reception of the proposal it's awfully nice of you and all but don't you think love and proposing and all that sort of thing rather spoils the fun she's simply a child the rejected one had informed lydia with all the desperate solemnity of twenty she doesn't a bit know what love means lydia had agreed with a sincerity to which a strong inward sense of relief added force Jenny was a child still undeveloped and uncomprehending it would be her mother's part to shelter and protect her for many years yet in this train lydia had talked to Jenny's first suitor oddly reassuring herself at the same time as she impressed upon him the deep intensity of her maternal role the boy had been very young and very easily impressed he had accepted the value of lydia's maternity just as she had offered it to his uncritical gaze had they been older and jenny less obviously untouched by his innocent clumsy love-making lydia could almost have wished them to marry jenny's husband must be a man who would recognize her foolish rebellion against her mother's love for what it was the ill-regulated ebullitions of youthfulness that was wholly unfitted for the independence that it craved lydia remembered the secret assent to all Jenny's folly that had been so obvious in the eager eyes and nodded head of young valentine and came back to the disagreeable consideration of the immediate past they ought not to have been allowed to go out alone together after dinner like that of course it had all been an accident billy had been stupid and careless of conventional proprieties and neither Jenny nor her escort were likely to recall him to discretion mr roland valentine was quite obviously the sort of man who would always in the phrase of lydia's youth take advantage she moved uneasily in the dark corner of the carriage as she remembered Jenny's great gray eyes shining like lamps and her round flushed face had the colonial lydia so designated him to herself with contemptuous intent perhaps even tried to kiss her although lydia could look back upon episodes in her own youth unprotected as Jenny's had never been and feel intimately convinced of her own powers of dealing with any awkward or even dangerous situation of conducting to a successful issue even such unsavory incidents as those in which the greek margoliath or mr codd the detective had figured it was utterly impossible for her to credit Jenny with the like capabilities Jenny could not take care of herself little Jenny. the carriage stopped and lydia went up into her daughter's untidy bedroom and packed a small handbag for the return journey of the Broman to quintmere she did not feel as though she could sleep and before seeking any rest she carefully put in order all the tumbled contents in the plain chest of drawers and dressing-table it partly assuaged her vague sensation of anxiety to be occupied and partly caused her to feel certain a slight amusement at the thought of jenny's indignant protests could she have seen her mother at work it was all unreasonable enough too lydia reflected dryly for slatternly little Jenny was only too glad to let susan the maid tidy up after her and brush and mend her clothes but when it came to her own mother Jenny apparently could not brook to be served involuntarily the remembrance flashed across lydia's mind of the defiant unthankfulness that had found vent in Jenny's exclamation of the previous evening i do hate people to know that you make my things it sounds as though you were always working yourself to death for me and i let you do it and it isn't true lydia sighed and went to her own room she had long ago grown used to the quiet of the country nights and it seemed almost like a dream to her now that as a girl she had once worked hard in london and lived by herself and counted as friends people who had passed out of her life as completely as though they had never existed the impermanence of these relations troubled her not at all stepping stones that was all lydia often felt quite surprised at the fidelity with which aunt beryl and aunt evelyn and olive senthoven kept their charms on her attention alive olive had long ago left the sanatorium reported cured and certainly not breaking down in health more than once or twice in every few years she had even much against lydia's will repaid a part of the sum dispersed by the demerils on her behalf she wrote lydia slangy uninteresting letters at regular intervals giving discouraging accounts of beatrice with a husband who drank and an overlarge family of unhealthy children and boasting of her own ability to earn a meagre allowance by means of typewriting she seemed to take for granted lydia's continued interest in her uneventful and uninteresting life of drudgery in aunt evelyn's sciatica and increasing deafness in the sordid struggles of beatrice and her indescribable swains even in bob who had married a canadian woman and wrote that he should never return to england lydia commented politely on these pieces of information that varied so seldom and in her replies wrote in return of the garden and of the first prize taken at the agricultural show by jenny's sweet peas and of the letter she herself had just received from aunt beryl the letters of aunt beryl came just as regularly and even more frequently than those of olive but they were less difficult to answer the old associations of childhood made it seem natural enough to write to regency terrace even though one felt no real interest whatever in the deficiencies of successive girls and the smashing by them of successive household gods that's the last of the green teacups gone, that you'll remember from a long way back, dear. Though Grandpapa never would have them used, only in less wheat people, if you recollect. Lydia Miter might not remember the green teacups, but she always responded sympathetically, and it was really no effort to write and tell Aunt Beryl what she and Jenny were doing, while they still met at least once a year and aunt beryl had even been to stay at lydia's college one summer when lady lucy and joyce had been abroad but to-night aunt beryl seemed almost as remote and unreal as did the strange people who lydia had once known at miss nettleship's boarding-house the only living reality was Jenny. lydia lay awake in the semi-darkness of the summer night and thought intently and passionately about her child for a long while clear thinking as she had been all her life she could not adjust the focus of her mind to an unbiased vision of herself and Jenny. it was as though for the first time a strong personal element governed her life and strangely deflected her powers of judgment she waited for jennie's return the next day with a certain anxiety desirous of hearing a full account of the previous evening and of Jenny's walk under the syringa bushes but in full possession of the self-control which never allowed her to cross-question her child cross-questioning indeed was unnecessary with Jenny. always ready to talk only too freely about her own exploits miss Jenny should be here for lunch susan you might make castle pudding she likes those yes ma'am the eldest magy boy left a message this morning ma'am to say if miss Jenny would go and see little Jackie, he'd be so pleased they can't say enough in praise of miss Jenny, can they ma'am susan's homely face beamed with simple pride however she did it pulling up those heavy hurdles and they say she handled the little fellow so knowingly too dr west was praising her up at the magies like anything they said i hope jackie is getting on all right said lydia rather austerely i'll go down there this afternoon myself miss Jenny isn't very famous for carefulness is she susan and i was rather afraid she might have done more harm than good end of chapter 23 recording by cj plog